Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 17 of season 3 of This Osteopathic Life. Today, we're going to build on and perhaps break through some of what we talked about last time in our episode on Deserve. It was so interesting because as I looked at that word, and as you've been with me through many episodes, I saw the different parts of it. And it broke down immediately in front of me as I was looking at it into deserve, just like you might think about devalue, right? like unvaluing, not valuing something, not serving in a way. And while it was so helpful to go through the process of noticing where I do feel deserving in my own life, it was also really striking to me to notice what it meant to feel deserving of something, that it meant I had to believe I earned it that I did something to make myself worthy of whatever that success, that love might be. And now we might take a moment and say, well, yeah, right. we need to work for things. And it's important to put forward effort. And we can't just sit back in that space of entitlement, let everything come to us or expect everything to just appear. And what if we took that yes and approach here? Absolutely. There is time and space and place and merits to working and earning and putting forth effort. Absolutely. But for the right reasons. And I interjected there with the but. But let's say instead and for the right reasons. And actually, interesting to even say interjected because we're going to talk today about parts of speech and we'll see the ways in which we can engage with the different parts of our lives the way we engage, indulge, emerge, enhance, put flourish into the stories that we're telling ourselves, that we're sharing with one another, through the way we interact with speech. But more on that as we go through. So yes, there is absolutely importance around that work. And even the idea of earning. And it's so important to notice the why along with it. Are we doing this so that we are approved, so that we can feel that worthiness? Or can we understand that worthiness as inherent, as absolute, is not earnable and also not unearnable? We can't undo it and come to a place of work from there. And how does that work look different? How does that effort feel different when it's coming from this place of complete self-love, self-compassion, self-understanding, we can absolutely still work hard and contribute, but the motivation behind it can be very different. So let's look just for a moment at that idea of deserve. So for thinking about deserving, and one of my dear friends, when I brought the concept up on how it was challenging for me to say, I deserve this, you know, or to believe it. And my impression of that was because I often didn't feel deserving of my success or of my love. 
his offering was that it would also be challenging for him to note that he deserved something, but not because he didn't believe he deserved it. Because having to say, I deserve this, would require that at some point he believed that he didn't. I thought it was him stepping out of a space in order to say, oh, I deserve this as a resolution of sorts to having been in a time and space when for some reason he wouldn't have. And that capacity to be able to say, well, of course, right? It's not even necessary to be said. It's, it's a given. It's understood. It's automatic. It's immediate. It's ubiquitous. It's constant. And I really had to just stop and think. And then I'll admit, part of me wondered and hoped that maybe somewhere deep down inside in all those layers, that was also true for me. Maybe it wasn't challenging to say or to believe because I didn't think I deserved those things. Maybe somewhere inherently in the inner wisdom with which we are all gifted, I did know I was deserving, but right, externally, superficially, humanly, and we'll talk about that too, I've been conditioned to believe that deserving is only equated with the act of earning and that it's conditional. And so here was this opportunity to look and say, wow, should I still be using that word or that concept or there are ways that I can re-engage with it in order to live in that wholehearted space, in the oneness, in the connection, in the health? And I thought, yes, and. And we'll continue to use that phrase, I think, indefinitely here. And so I thought about the process and that was a piece of it. It's allowed to be a process. Now, I want to share with you that often we will use that frame of reference. So it takes a long time, right, to get over something, to move through trauma, to heal wounds. Yes, and. It can absolutely take a good length of time. And in this one, I'm learning right along with you over and over again in that spiral of the way life offers us experience where it seems like you've grasped it and then a new challenge emerges and it seems like you haven't grasped it at all, but then you come back around and it looks familiar again that it could also happen. These transformations, these changes, these knowings, these understandings could happen at the flip of a switch. And let me share with you something that has often come to mind whenever I'm looking to make a change. I remember when I was little, I had big emotions and we could look at all different reasons why, but I can distinctly remember on days when I was feeling grumpy and yep, it happened a fair amount. We can survey my family to see what frequency they recall. I did not feel like I could change the way I was feeling because I already presented myself as grumpy in that moment. And that's how I was known. Someone had commented on it. Oh, you're grumpy today. You know, and maybe other choice words that were stated. And I felt like I had to keep the grumpy going. That if I were to make a shift, right, it wouldn't be authentic or in alignment. And those exact words may not have been what I was consciously thinking, but subconsciously that was happening. And somewhat on a more intentional level as well. Well, I'm grumpy. I'm just going to stick with it. And a little later in life, I can remember that in some instances when I was quite young, and there was a moment, and it was a very long moment. I visited Cedar Point, and it's interesting because roller coasters have come up a number of times this week, as universal wisdom often does present us things in clusters. And it was 
a rainy day. We were late for this ride. I wanted to get a lemon chill and they weren't available. And I was, I was just grumpy. And what would be, not maybe the happiest place on earth, right? It's not Disney World necessarily, but for us growing up, Cedar Point, one of my most favorite places to go. As a side note, an asterisk, I do not believe I could ride roller coasters now. The idea of it sounds horrifying from a vertiginous standpoint, but that aside, in the time, loved it. Loved roller coasters, rode all the rides from dawn till dusk. We would stay in the park. And my sister and my husband were with me at the time and were highly entertained, probably also annoyed, but amused nonetheless that I managed to hold on to that grumpiness, literally cross-armed on a roller coaster as we were going up and down the hills. Because I had committed, right? I was grumpy and I wasn't going to just shift out of grumpiness. Now, as I say that out loud as you listen, you might think that's totally irrational. Maybe, you know, just a not helpful way to engage with life. But that's how it felt. It kind of felt like you were in a groove and not necessarily in the Stella's got her groove back way, but you were in a track and you just got to stick with it, right? You've established yourself in this one way, so you might as well keep proving that to be true. So this idea that a transformation could happen in the flip of a switch really boggles my mind, right? No way, right? It's got to take time. You got to work toward it. You got to process these other things and you got to come to it. And maybe you can make a shift, but then you're going to fall back, right? Two steps forward, one step back. Love that song. Did a lot of interpretive dance to Paula Abdul (laughs) in my later elementary years. This is a blast from the past episode, apparently. And so as I consider that, I also stopped and just said, well, why? Why can't it just happen quickly? Because if I have the wherewithal, the stamina, the commitment, the stubbornness, many might say, to hold on to grumpy, no matter what, right? I could literally be in line or actually on a roller coaster. I could have the lemon chill. You know, I could be in any space, in a party, whatever it might be, and hang on to grumpy. If I had the capacity to do that, why not move into love, worthiness, joy, right? If that's available to me, why would I choose to stick with those negative emotions. And I said, okay, it's worth considering. And it's possible. I've demonstrated some strength and capacity here. And so will it be a very lengthy process or can it be somewhat more of an immediate shift? And what I'll say is there has been the opportunity to move more quickly between, not permanently into, because there still is the element of humanity and a brain at work that can toggle between. But what I will say, it's kind of like we've put WD-40 on the switch. And rather than flipping into grumpy, disappointed, frustrated, overwhelmed, annoyed, and staying there for a really long time, I'm able to kind of flip it back with less effort, right? I don't have to lean my whole body weight into it. I can sometimes just use, you know, my legs, sometimes just an arm, and sometimes just a simple finger pad flip of the switch to come over. And so I offer that to you as we explore some of these concepts that perhaps if you find that you, will say, indulge or are immersed 
in such a way of being that it seems like it's going to take a really long time to counterbalance what has happened. And I'm not discounting the length or depth of various traumatic and difficult experiences. Absolutely not. And there are absolutely purposes behind extensive and in-depth engagement in order to process and heal. Yes, this is an option. And I'm sharing from my own experience of how a person, particularly an endurance athlete, right? Things that take longer are kind of my forte. Short burst workouts, not really my jam. I don't have burst speed. But at the same time, it's an opportunity to strengthen that new muscle and an opportunity to get myself out of spaces in more rapid order in order to really engage with life from that version, that vision, that lens of the health of all things. And so what I wanted to come back here, both from the de-serve standpoint, and just like we talked about release, right? Why would you re-up the contract with a lot of the things? Because every time we say release, it's often of things we don't want. And so just becoming more conscious, I don't not use these words anymore, but I'm very aware of how I'm using them. And when I'm using them internally, particularly, what they're inviting into my life. And so let's look at the word that came up out of that deserve episode quite frequently of worthy. And I was talking with my coach last week, right? And I practiced phrases. I am worthy. I'm worthy of love. I'm worthy of success. But it's a descriptor, right? It's an adjective of how I am. And I was in conversation. I thought, oh, but what if I am worthy a noun, right? That worthy is this thing, this way of being, this being itself, and it's ever available to all of us, right? Not earnable, not detractable. I'm just worthy. I am worthy. That worthy is a noun. And in that space, it's a very different experience because I am worthy as the descriptor. There's this sense of getting to it, which means at some point you weren't there, right? If you're going to something, that means you are separate from it. But if you're worthy of the noun, it's you. It's in you. It's within you. It's around you. It's beyond you. It's between you and everything else that's in the world. I am worthy the noun. And that seems like the title, perhaps of some show. And so I pull up the definition, you know, and worthy is listed as an adjective, having worth or value, honorable or meritorious. And then worthy also has adjective combining form fit or safe for, right, of sufficient worth for something. And then worthy is listed as a noun, which honestly I didn't know or at least didn't think about or consciously engage with. And definition of worthy as a noun is a worthy or prominent person. And there, I'd like to transcend that. When thinking of worthy as a noun, I'd like to move it into the space of I am worthy, the noun, just like I am human in its noun form. And of course, there, in these ways, we could say rabbit hole, or we could just say this amazing domino effect of impact when we begin to explore these concepts. Human is a noun, right? A bipedal primate mammal, a person, right? And so we can say that. But also, again, let's transcend. That's a descriptor, and that gives us context, and that can be factual. That's helpful. So I'm human the noun, right? But also I'm human the noun and just feel it. 
feel the bigness of it and feel the bigness of it even beyond big because it just is. And notice, automatically close your eyes if you can, not if you're driving, walking, biking, or you need to have visual, but pause it perhaps. And next time you can take a moment and close your eyes. Like I am human and invite the expansiveness of that concept and see what comes to mind. Does another person come to mind? Do you see the globe? Do you see that I am human in a broad sense? And then of course, human is also an adjective, right? Of or relating to, characteristic of humans, consisting of or involving humans, having human form or attributes. So these words can have these different spaces and places in our engagement with them. And notice the impact Notice the effect, notice the feeling, notice the vibe, notice the energy you have when you use that same sentence, that same phrase, I am human, I am worthy, and when you are intending, or whether the impact is from a descriptive standpoint, from a state of being standpoint. And of course, there, you might have guessed it, we come to being. All right, so being, noun, the quality or state of having existence. I am being. Right? And you might think, wait, are you using the verb form? Not yet. Right? We'll get there. I am being. And so we had I am worthy in the noun form. We had I am human in the noun form. And even here, how beautiful to say I am being. And you might think, well, you missed the uh or and, you know, that in front of it. But no, intentionally. Just I am being. And... Let that be a noun to start, right? I am being, and so before you may have seen visual of other humans when you were in that I am human noun space, but now if you think I am being, perhaps you get this image. This is what comes up for me of all the different creatures. I've seen some interesting ones this week, and apparently my response when I see a creature I don't expect is a shrieking noise. (laughs) You should have called off my dogs. But I see them. I see the snake and the opossum that we encountered. I see all the lovely bugs that are emerging. I see the grass, which is getting greener because thankfully there's been precipitation. I am being, I see it beyond my peninsular space here and across the country where my family has been over the past month. And I see it in friends and family who are traveling, making their way across different borders. And I see it through the globe. To all these different spaces, thinking of the different species that exist, the different seasons we're in as we move through the summer solstice here, knowing that's happening in the southern hemisphere for our friends, family, colleagues into the winter, knowing what crops might be shifting. Like, I am being. Noun. Wow. Right? And I am being is also available to you as an adjective. Right? Being in that space and time, it's available as a conjunction, right? And it's bringing us to that space of what we are doing. And so there, admittedly, right, and this is kind of a confessional, and I don't believe any of my English teachers listen in, but thinking about parts of speech, right? That's what we titled this episode as we thought of the ways that we engage with and use these words, And think of the basic ones, of course, but how do we consider, utilize, engage, interact with them? And so I pulled up. And interestingly, 
I got seven different parts of speech in one space, eight and then nine. So I, I went with nine because why not get the full smorgasbord of what's available to us. And interestingly, they're not in any particular order. They're not in any alphabetical order, which sometimes for me, I'm thinking if we're going to talk about parts of speech, we got to put in some kind of organization. But the one that comes first is verb. And if we think about I am being in that movement toward action, perhaps that works, right? Maybe verb is the first thing that we consider. And it's function or job in a sentence in our speech is that it's an action or state. And I'll give you the example words. And this is from englishclub.com. So thank you for that. If you want to reference the website, we're going to walk through it. And notice the impact of the way we engage with these. So examples of verbs that they offer are to be, right? So we got being kind of wrapped in there automatically. Have, do, like, work, sing, can, must. Right? Move. I'm offering that one up. That's been a key verb for me in these past few weeks especially. And example sentences. This one, maybe I'll, they use their own site. English Club is a website. I like English Club. <laughs> so let's go. This osteopathic life is a podcast. I like this osteopathic life. We'll put that in there with the verb. But just notice that. Action or state. Mm, right? So you can be active in a state of being. Right? And so just noticing that, I talked as well with that same friend who opened my eyes to the capacity of not needing to believe or state one deserves something because it simply is. Also in the way that we can be very active in very different ways. So for me, it is very much in external physical movement, life in motion. That's the new theme that keeps coming up for me. Perpetual motion has come through both from its place in the Suzuki method and in the way I'm engaging with the world right now. Some of it is out of necessity, being home and managing my two dogs. There's a lot of movement there. Also, different ways that I'm engaging with training, coaching myself and others through physical fitness. And then in the season, right? Swimming, biking, rowing, all of these things that are available. So for me, my verb is this external active movement in, through, with the world around me. For my friend, there is a very active state internally, right? So that state So that being in the presence, equally active, maybe visibly looks different, but that being space, that verb space is very much engaged in both ways. So how are you verbing in your life? Next is a noun, thing or person. Examples here, pen, dog, work, music, town, London, teacher, John. And the example here is, this is my dog. He lives in my house. We live in London, right? My name is Amelia. The first parts weren't mine. I added the last one. (laughs) And looking at how you are describing yourself and identifying in the noun space, the thing, right? So noticing how you're just offering up what is and if you're offering up facts, or if we begin to kind of get cloudy in that space and offer up more of the descriptors, are you being more clear, clearer? Do you have clarity around the thing or person that is, the things or people who are engaged around you? 
an adjective. Here's where we begin to put descriptors, you know, and they might be something that we agree upon. They might be very much our own internal opinions. They describe nouns. Good, big, red, well, interesting. My dogs are big. I like big dogs. I can totally agree with both of those. Those are the examples. And right now, my dogs are big. They are recently groomed and they are muddy as it tends to go. Right? They finally get cleaned up and then the rain comes, which is great because we have been in a quite dry state. All right, so dry. There's an adjective there too. So how are you describing yourself, others, the things that are around you? What are the most common adjectives you're using and how are they working for you? Next, I'm going to skip down. I'm not going in the exact order, but I'm going to add adverb. Right? These are the most common ones that we think of. Describes a verb, adjective, or adverb. Interesting, right? To describe yourself and to have a word that describes another describing word. Love it. Quickly, silently, well, badly, very, really. My dog eats quickly. Totally true in our house. When he is very hungry, he eats really quickly. Right? So you get to double describe. And what an opportunity to enrich the way in which we are telling stories to ourselves. And what an opportunity to notice the way in which we're doing that. And what words come up most frequently for us. And this one, thinking about those actions you take, right? And it's an opportunity to say, too, am I placing judgment on the way I'm doing those? Am I supporting myself in the way that I am verbing right now? I'm just going to use that because why not? It's fun. So the... Next is a pronoun, which replaces a noun, right? So we get specific. My name is Amelia, right? And then the pronoun can replace it. Or, for example, someone introduced me. This is my wife, Amelia. And then moving on, she is a coach, right? So we can replace the pronoun. I, you, he, she, some, they. Getting clear on what pronouns people utilize. So important. And noticing when we interject and when we offer it back up, when we re-identify the person specifically in that space. And if we do have clarity on the way in which we are utilizing these. Next is a preposition. Links a noun to another word, right? And that rule, that's supposed to end sentences and prepositions, one that can mess with your brain when you're in real time and really trying to do a good job of that, or certainly when you're putting words to the page. To, at, after, on, but. And there is this whole kind of rhyme in school where you listed all of them. Maybe we'll add that in as a, an outtake on a podcast episode going forward. So we went to school on Monday, or in this case, right, my family went to Oregon on June 5th. So looking at linking words and how do you put things together, whether it's in sentences or, of course, in your life, what are the ways you do combine them? And notice, but got to be in here, but it also gets to be in another category of conjunction, which are joining words, joining clauses or sentences or words, and, but, when, and how often are we interjecting with but, and is it helpful? Are there opportunities to utilize and in order to shift the expansiveness of it? And that's just not discounting the purpose of using the conjunction of but, because sometimes we do want to create clarity and put a boundary up and say, I will do this, but not that, right? I will work this far, but that is where I draw the line, right? 
And so you could have these options, and this is the theme apparently. I like dogs and I like cats, right? So you might link them up and there might be this uniformity, this collectiveness within them. I like cats and dogs, right? You can put it in both orders and it continues that meeting. I like dogs, but I don't like cats. And that's allowed, right? That's a possibility. And then these last two, I'm going to be totally honest. I don't think about them very often. When I think about parts of speech, I think of those which I've shared with you. And so I put them in that order. And one is an interjection, short exclamation, sometimes inserted into a sentence. And so funny because I utilize them all the time, but I don't think of them as their own part of speech. So my apologies to those who taught me grammar early on and throughout my life. But now I may give them a little more notice because they are powerful. Oh, ouch. Hi. Wow. And often they can be their own standalone sentence. Sometimes they can be a modifier within a sentence. Hi, how are you? Well, I don't know. And just noticing how we interject, right? And how we engage with one another and how sometimes just a short statement can be powerful. And seeing how we can perhaps use that to our advantage and to improve our communication. And then finally, a determiner. Limits or determines a noun. A or an, the, to, some, many. Right, so I have two dogs and some rabbits, which I don't unless we count the neighborhood rabbits or the rabbits my daughter dreams of having. But here we could say I have two dogs and some fish. That's true in our household. And so just thinking about the limits or determines a noun. So we have this opportunity to get clear on those things we have in our life, the people we have in our life, and then see both how we might describe them or how we might be limiting them. And limiting or determining might just be getting more specific, but the tone of it sometimes can change the way in which we feel, notice, engage with what there is. And so thank you for joining me for this journey. I am always so fascinated with words, their impact, their effect, and how this is happening even when we're not master noticing all that we're saying and the invitation to just take that pause. And we're not going to necessarily consciously choose every word. Now in the four agreements, we practice impeccability with our word, but we do our best because there is some state of being in flow that's engaged in conversation. So really painstakingly choosing every word, every moment may not be possible, but taking time when it does present itself or noticing, perhaps when you had a certain intention and a different impact, you can say, oh, what words did I choose and how did I put them together? And what inner dialogue was happening before I spoke externally or wrote it out? And how did that affect what happened? here when this outcome didn't match what I thought was going to happen and just see what opportunities might arise and as you move through the week I offer you once more to consider the noun opportunity of I am worthy I am human I am being and notice that perhaps sometimes deserve is hard to say because it's not something we ever have to work for. That the worthiness, the human, the being are ever available. They're ours to share and they represent the oneness 
that is so much a part of the health of all things. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.